have your Bibles, I turn your attention to the Word of the Lord tonight, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 23. I want to read one verse there and then go to the book of Romans chapter number 1. But Acts chapter 23, and we'll read verse 11 there. In the night following, the Lord stood by him. And said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. If you would, let's turn on over to Rome, Romans chapter number 1, and we'll begin there with verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from our God, or from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And I want to focus in on those words, a prosperous journey, that I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And I want to talk to us for a little while here tonight about a prosperous journey, a prosperous journey. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's pray together that his anointing would bless the remainder of this service here tonight and his word would uh, help us and challenge us and stir our hearts. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We're thankful, God, for your spirit and anointing, God, that we feel in this house. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would minister through your word to the hearts of people gathered here tonight. We're thankful to know you. We're thankful, God, that you've included us as a part of your kingdom. And I pray, God, that you'd bless this service in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Now, it's clear that in this first chapter of the epistle of Romans that the apostle Paul is praying and he is seeking the Lord for a prosperous journey to do what he knows that the Lord has called and ordained for him to do. He has been successful up to this point in that he has preached the gospel where the Lord has called him to preach it. And the Lord has blessed his ministry and he has been very effective and uh, he has uh, been obedient. In, in following after the will of God for his life. But I'm certain when he embarked upon this journey that not even the great apostle Paul really understood the entirety of the conditions and the circumstances that would be required of him to fulfill the will of God and what all would surround the call of God to Rome. And I think one of the most uh, misunderstood things in a child of God's life 
and particularly for those that are striving to do something for the Lord more than just more than just being an average Christian, more than just being an average saint of God, more than just viewing church as a ticket to get to heaven, but really you have a revelation that God calls you for a particular purpose and a specific reason, and that is that he wants to use you in the kingdom of God while we're here on this earth. How many believes that tonight? That God really does have a purpose for me. God has a reason for my existence, that he created me, and along with that, uh, not only did he breathe into me life and a living soul uh, that he wants to save, but along with salvation comes a purpose and the building of the kingdom of God here on this earth until he comes and seeing as many others saved as we possibly can. And so uh, Paul understood this, and I think sometimes we don't understand that in doing the will and the purpose of God that there sometimes is going to be struggles, there's going to be resistance involved. There's going to be things that are going to come up against us in pursuing the will of God. And some of us that have lived for God for a period of time, well, we've already encountered some of those things. But I want to state this, that the perfect will of God is not paved with comfort. Uh, the will of God is not confirmed by the absence of struggles. Uh, the will of God is not uh, the path of least resistance necessarily. And uh, there's this misnomer that if, that if you are in the will of God, then that means it ought to be smooth sailing all the time. But uh, we're going to have circumstances that are contrary. We're going to have contradictions when we are doing the will of God because the Bible says we have an adversary, the devil. And he's going to do his best to avert those things. He's going to do his best to try to stop and to hinder and to squelch every bit of desire that you have to fulfill the will of God in your life. And another thing that we often mistakenly believe is that the devil is the one that orchestrates all of this as far as the resistance is concerned or the challenges are concerned. I realize that the devil wants to stop the progress of the church, but I also realize that we're all uh, living in flesh and we're all uh, here in this world that has its own challenges and there's physical issues involved, there's sicknesses that we have to overcome, there's, there's trials of life as the scripture identifies them that cannot necessarily be lumped in as an attack of the devil. And I might even go as far to say, because the Bible says that all powers of God and the powers that be are ordained of God, so I could go as far to say here tonight that some things are allowed by God to work His will in our lives because God knows what our potential is. He knows what it is that we could become. He knows what lies within us that sometimes needs to be uncovered. He understands uh, that there is potential there that has to be dug out and that sometimes a re little resistance, a little struggle uh, makes a person and it causes a person to begin to trust God and look to God and 
and even yield, as it were, their will to God. Job made this statement. He said, it was good for me to be afflicted. How many has ever praised God? You know, we praise God for victory. We praise God for deliverance. We praise God for healing. We praise God for salvation. We praise God for revival. We praise God for all these answers to prayer. But I'm going to tell you, one of the answers to prayer, if we've ever prayed for the will of God to be done in our life, the answer to that prayer is for us to sometimes have some struggles that bring about the best in us, that cause us to have to activate our faith, that cause us to have to learn how to trust God and rely upon God. Because if everything just went like uh, like we, you know, just a walk in the park and no struggle at all, then we'd assume that it's us. We would assume it was our ability. We would assume that it was our own strength that got us to that place. And uh, we know that nothing could be further from the truth than that. That if we're here today, it's not because of our own goodness or our own righteousness, but it's because of the goodness and the mercy of Almighty God. That's why I'm in this place. Amen. I I can't speak for everybody, but I have a hunch that you feel the same way, that we're here because of the goodness and the mercies of God. And so troubles teach me how to trust God. Trouble and trials sometimes prepare me for God's purpose for my life. And the Bible says that Paul was to stand before Caesar, which was in Rome, and the Caesar at that time was Nero. And if you ever did any study about Nero, he wasn't a very nice guy. In fact, most of us would shudder at some of the things that this man did uh, by the historical accounts that we have of him. Uh, he seems totally inhumane and uh, just uh, insensitive to anybody else. And I'm not even sure that he was sane through the entirety of his rule because of of some of the things that would happen to some of these emperors and rulers during that time and that would affect their mind and therefore affect their judgment and their ability to lead and and, uh, things that we're not even in a mixed crowd wouldn't even talk about that uh, he was uh, susceptible to and sick of. And uh, these things no doubt affected his, his mind and his ability to make good judgment. But through these bizarre events, God is sending, you understand, the greatest preacher to the Gentiles to stand before what we would consider the worst or the most wicked of the Gentiles. I think this is a testimony of the mercies of God and just how far God will go to reveal truth to somebody or give somebody an opportunity. Even this wicked man, the Caesar of Rome at that time, Nero, he was given Caesar a chance, an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ by one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific, preacher of the New Testament. I think that's astounding. God sent his best to the worst. And he still does that today, doesn't he? He still sends his best to the worst of humanity. He he reaches with his goodness and he gives people opportunities 
that they frankly don't deserve. He, he opens the door of opportunity for people to be able to hear and to receive the gospel that do not deserve to hear the truth. That's because God loves us that much and wants to see souls saved that much. Can you say praise the Lord? But by Paul's own admission in our text, there is no doubt, even though he knows that he's going to stand before this wicked man, this man that is known uh, for his uh, heartless persecution of the church. No man hated the church and the things of God any more than Nero. And Paul knew he's going to be standing before that man, but yet he understood also that this was the perfect will of God for his life. He understood that these may not be the most pleasant circumstances, but this is the perfect will of God. And so he travels to Rome. And his request is, is that he would have a prosperous journey. That's what we read here in this text in verse 10, that he would have a prosperous journey. And I I know that he was talking about safe travels uh, more than likely, but did he really realize how prosperous this journey or this trip was going to be? While there was going to be things that he didn't understand, there was going to be things that were going to take place that he would not be able to really uh, articulate why it would even happen this way or explain why it would happen this way until much later. He was willing to accept those things because he was confident that he was in the will of God. There's a certain peace that comes with being in the will of God that even though you're faced with persecution, even though you're faced with potential problems, you understand I'm in the will of God, and God, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to make a way for me. He's going to make me prosper even in the midst of this persecution. He's going to make me prosper even in the midst of these problems. He's going to make me prosper even though there might be some pain involved for me personally. I'm going to come out prosperous in this deal. And on his journey, there are at least three things that occur that I want to expound upon here tonight that I believe... In any journey we take in the will of God, these three things are evident. Maybe not just like they were in the Apostle Paul's life, but we can identify with them. Maybe they're not physical like they were for the Apostle Paul, but we can find a parallel that we can identify with the Apostle Paul in this journey. First of all, the Scripture is very emphatic that there were chains involved in that journey. Paul may have not foreseen that this journey would involve him being a prisoner. No doubt he, he realized that there was the potential for that because he was aware uh, of the circumstances. He was aware of what he was accused of and charged with. And uh, the Bible tells us that he was arrested and that he bore chains because in chapter 26 and verse 29, as the Apostle Paul preached, probably one of the most passionate messages that he ever preached as he stood before King Agrippa and he preached the word of the Lord. He said, I would to God that, that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, whoever is in this courtyard that can overhear 
my voice as it resounds through this, this courtyard or this court where I'm standing before you, wherever it was. He said, if they could hear me, he said, I wish that they were both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these bonds. This was the Apostle Paul as he stood before Agrippa and he preached that stirring message and he began to tell Agrippa about the gospel of Jesus Christ and his own testimony of how he was converted uh, to the Lord and how that the Lord stopped him in his pursuits to persecute the church further when he was traveling on the Jericho Road and he saw that light from heaven and a vision and God spoke to him and how that he went to Ananias' house and was baptized and Ananias accepted him and preached to him and then introduced him to others and how that a church that had once persecuted had embraced him and now he was among those that he had once persecuted and now he was preaching the gospel and here the Lord had led him before magistrates and he's standing before King Agrippa and he said, I wish that you was just like me even though I'm standing here in this prison. He said, I wish you was just like me and you were totally persuaded because you've come so close and you have, you have felt and you've experienced and you've got a little taste of what it is that, that God has done for me in my life because it was Agrippa that looked at the Apostle Paul after these passionate uh, pleas and preaching uh, that he had brought to him. And he said, you've almost persuaded me, Paul, to be a Christian. And that's when he makes this statement. He said, I wish that you was like me. He said, because I'm totally persuaded. I'm totally sold out. I'm going to tell you, to accept, to accept the will of God as it is sometimes, we've got to be totally sold out. To be able to submit ourselves to the total will of God for our lives and the complete will of God for our lives. We've got to be sold out completely to Him. We have to be, uh, have to, have to submit our will on an altar. We have to be willing to sacrifice it all, as it were. We have to be willing, uh, to lay everything down as far as self-will and, and our way is concerned and say, God, it's not my will that I want to see, but it's your will that I want to see performed in my life. And that man stood there and he said, I wish you was just like me except for these chains. He didn't realize that chains were a possibility perhaps in this journey. And chains are something that restrict. Chains are something that confines, some, something that disciplines. Chains set limitations on our life. And I'm going to tell you, in doing the will of God and in, in journeying in our walk with God, we're going to meet up with limitations in our own lives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes those limitations display themselves in different ways. But that's what living for God is all about. If we could do it by ourselves, we wouldn't need a God to save us, would we? We wouldn't need to rely upon Him if we could do it on our own. And I have been on this kick lately of, 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 of preaching to people that you've got to develop a relationship with God that where you rely upon the leading of the Spirit and the direction of the Spirit in order to make it. Because if you're trying to do this within your own will and discipline of your own will, and, and, and you, you say, well, I, I'm strong enough. Well, there's nobody that is strong enough to resist sin without the help of God. 
because we're all born with a sinful nature. That's the root system that we all have and that we're all born with. And the only way we can bear fruit, amen, that is pleasing before God is that we allow His Spirit to work in our lives. And we rely, rely, rely. Come on, some of you need to understand that I have to rely upon God to help me to have victory. I have to rely upon God to resist temptation. I have to rely upon God to be strong enough to say no to the things that I'm used to saying yes to. Used to yielding to. And and so uh, he's talking about these chains and these limitations and and. And, and we all have limitations. Some of them are physical limitations. And sometimes we lack the confidence to do certain things and, that God calls us to do. And we lack, we lack in, 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 in thinking that we're capable of doing those things. If you've never been to that place in your life and you've never experienced that at any point in your life, that you have felt God call you to do something that you didn't feel capable of, then you've never really been stretched. You've never really been stretched in your quest to live for God because God is going to ask you. you you've never graduated to the level where he, he was able to ask you to do something that stretched you a little bit. I read in the Bible where he asked a man to stretch forth his hand that was withered. You think it didn't take confidence in God to do that? You think it didn't take confidence and faith to be able to do that? That was something he never had done either from the time that that accident had happened in his life or maybe from his birth as he was possibly born that way. We're not clear on that, but we know that this is something that he, he could not do at that moment without the help of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, every one of us have withered places in our life. Every one of us have weaknesses in our life. Don't stand here tonight and say, well, I'm all of that, and I've got the Holy Ghost and had the Holy Ghost for all these many years. I'm going to tell you, you're here because you have the Holy Ghost. You're not here just because you're a strong person. You're not here just because you're, you're, you're more disciplined than anybody else. Flesh is flesh. I don't care whose it is. And we all deal with it. And it all has, and it may not be the same weakness. It may not be the same temptation. But it can all be overcame by the same God. You believe that tonight? It can all be overcame by the same God. Every weakness you have, every handicap that you have, every shortcoming that you have, every withered place in your life, every every inconsistency can be cured through the help of the Spirit of God in your life. And that's the only way that you can overcome it. That's why so many the programs, they, they may be good. The tools that are used with those programs, they are good. They are tools, though. And the only way that they can really work to the fullest is that there has to be another component. And that component is Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and I'm not against programs that try to help people and give people tools. But I'm going to tell you what we're really searching for in the missing piece to the puzzle of life is, is not those things as much as it is that we've got to have the Spirit of God to fulfill us or we'll always want to go back to those things in sin. But once you've tasted, as I preached uh, here here a couple of services ago, uh, the powers of the world to come, nothing in this world, nothing in this world can satisfy anymore. Nothing in this world. It loses its luster. It It loses its sparkle. It loses its ability to satisfy. Used to be satisfied with those things out there. 
at least temporally. But now, amen, you found, you drank from the well of salvation. You've been refreshed, amen, and filled and restored by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can never be satisfied with anything less than the Spirit of God. Amen. It's futile to even try. But those limitations, and, and they keep us seemingly, we feel like they confine us, but really they keep us close to Him. They keep us close to a prayer room. They keep us close to an altar. They keep us from straying away from our consecrations, straying away from our convictions. Amen? I, uh, growing up, I remember one time uh, a young man that was, well, he was several years older than I was, but he was working for my dad. He took me to the, to the creek uh, to fish one afternoon, and while I was there, there was this gentleman that had pulled up to the park area there, and he had a he had a whole bed full of puppies. And he said to me as I was leaving, he said, "Do you want one of those puppies?" And uh, you know they was so cute, and they was up there in the back of the bed of that truck, and and there was one of them that was different from all the rest, and of course that was the one that I chose, and I brought him home with me. And uh, because I got him at the creek, I named him River. Don't ask me why, I just named him River. And, uh, but you know, that dog had a propensity for chasing cars. I mean, I've never seen a dog that loved to chase cars like this. I mean, he thought that was his calling in life. He thought that was his purpose, is to, that we lived on a two-lane highway and there was a, a Cars would drive by pretty fast, probably 60, 65 miles an hour. And he would lay down in the ditch on one side of the property. And when a car would come, I don't know if he thought he could catch him. Uh, he never did all of his life catch one. But, I mean, he, he tried. He'd start on one end of the property, and he'd run. He had a trail beat out alongside that road. He would run. I mean, they would, uh, Henry knew that he was there half the time, but fly on by and he would run alongside the road and uh, bark all the way until the other end of the property. And I mean, it was an all-day deal. He'd sit there hunched down like, and that was like his favorite thing to do. Problem was, one time, he, he I guess, kind of spooked one of those cars when he jumped out of the ditch. And they slowed down and he got out in front of them and they couldn't slow down enough then. And they ran over him. Well, uh, he was all broken up and down in the ditch, and, and the car pulled over, and it was awful nice of the fella. He came over, and he spoke to my dad. He saw me over there, tears just pouring down my face, uh, crying over that dog. And he said, whatever it takes to fix that dog, if it can be fixed, he said, I'll just send me the bill. I'll pay for it. And back then, that was a long time ago, I think it cost $110, the vet bill. And my dad sent him the bill, and he sent the money. And when I went and picked him up, uh, he had a, a broke hip, and they put a pin in it, and so he's on three legs. And he had some other skinned-up places where they'd sewed him up. And uh, I let him out of there. He was all stiff and stoved up. But you know what the crazy thing did? Just as soon as he could get back going again, he went and found that old wallet out place out there in the ditch. 
and went to chasing on three legs those cars again. And I said, oh, buddy, we're not going to find another nice guy like that. If the next one hits you, he's just going to probably keep on going like most people. And, 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 and I don't think you could survive another one of them anyway. And so I put him on a chain until we could figure up a pin to put him in. And I mean, you would think that that was the worst of things. But he didn't realize that, that chain was saving his life. And uh, I remember we took him on a move with us. Uh, we moved to another city. Uh, and uh, when we moved, I, he, he wasn't familiar. He, he never... He never backed off a challenge from another dog in the neighborhood, and there was two big old dogs down the street. And uh, anyway, I, I just knew to save his life from them and to keep him from, from getting involved on, on other people's property, and I just had to pin him up. We didn't have a pin, so put him on a chain. And, uh, you know, he knew the limitations, I noticed, of that chain. He would come at a person that walked out of the backyard, and he would seem like he was not going to stop. But guess what he did? At a certain point, it was like he knew he had an inside mechanism that just told him to slam on the brakes right now or you're fixing to break your neck. Because he had been to the end of that chain several times, and he had been there enough to know where the limitation was. You know, sometimes we have limitations that cause us to have to trust God and rely upon God and put our faith in, and put everything before God and say, God, if you don't work this out, it isn't going to be worked out. It isn't going to work at all. It's going to go belly up if you don't help me with this situation. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? And those chains that we think limit us sometimes are things that keep us saved. It's things that keep us going back to Him. It's things that keep us trusting and placing our faith in the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Thank God for chains that keep us connected to the right things. Keep us from running where we don't need to run. Going where we don't need to go. Involving ourselves with things that we don't need to involve ourselves. That journey had chains involved. And I'm not sure the Apostle Paul ever really uh, factored that in. It also had a storm involved in it and a shipwreck. Paul told the centurion from the beginning not to travel in the conditions that they set sail in. But the centurion listened to someone else besides the Apostle Paul. In other words... The circumstances were beyond the Apostle Paul's control. He couldn't, he couldn't change it. Somebody else was in authority. Somebody else was in control of the circumstances. Somebody else had control of the dynamics. And so he couldn't, he couldn't make his own decision where that was concerned. In life's journey, there's going to be circumstances that are beyond our control. Can you say praise the Lord? There's going to be issues and things that are come, going to come up that we wish it wasn't this way. That, that isn't the way. It, it, that's not the perfect scenario that we planned on. That's not what we factored in on this. But nevertheless, it's the way it is. And that's a part of life and that's a part of the journey. 
that we perhaps didn't plan necessarily on. But aren't you thankful as long as we stay in the will of God that God will keep us and care for us and nurture us and be there for us and never fail to see us through. Storms that come and we wonder when they're going to let up, when there's going to be a break in it. I wasn't here last week, but somebody told me that it rained twice, once for three days and the other for four. And so uh, just rained all week long. Somebody was thinking, man, when is this going to break? When is this going to happen? You know, when, it, when is the storm clouds going to move out? And I, I've been there and you've been there in our spiritual life. When is the storm clouds going to move out? And when is there going to be a clear day? When is the sun going to shine again? I'm going to tell you, if you're in the will of God, God can chart your course. And he doesn't need stars to do it. And he doesn't need the right winds to blow for it to do it. He's in control of all of that. And he can chart your course and see you through the storm if you're in the will of God. So don't ever feel like that I'm alone. The Bible said in this particular journey that that, that, that there was so... The storm was so dark and dark in the sky such that, that they couldn't tell what day, whether it was day or night. They couldn't even tell how many days they'd really been out there. That's how the storm had virtually blinded them and taken away their vision. And, and, and it caused them to, to be confused as to whether it was night or day or or how many days they had been out there. I'm going to tell you, sometimes life can get that way. But I want to tell you, in the darkness, in the midst of the confusing moment, if you know that you're in the will of God, you can understand that God is going to bring you out. Oh, praise the Lord. So thankful, so thankful that I'm standing in the will of God as a child of God, walking with God. These storms keep us depending on Him. They keep us trusting in Him. They keep us understanding that we need him. It was during that time that he fasted and he prayed and the Lord spoke to him. He said, an angel of the Lord stood by me tonight and told me that if we'll stay with the ship, that we don't have anything to worry about. I'm going to tell you, you can have that same confidence yourself if you're in the will of God. Praise the Lord. And then the Apostle Paul did not realize that the journey, when he finally made it through the storm, and they finally washed up on Melita, which was a barbarous island. And Paul, being the man he was, a servant, he, he went and he began to gather sticks and wood and tried to place them on the fire to, that was just getting going, evidently, and, and, and to, so that they could warm themselves. They were wet and they were cold. It was a miserable, miserable time. And, and so they're trying to get warm, and, and he's trying to help them. And he brings this bundle of wood to the fire. And the Bible said a venomous beast came out of it and latched on his hand. And those barbarous people that were familiar with it, they knew that that is a beast that is very poisonous. It's very venomous, and it's going to cause him to die. It's not going to be long till. There'll be no more Apostle Paul. You're not going to have to worry about him anymore. And they thought to themselves, you know, them being pagans, those people being uh, folks that were just barbarous people, godless people, 
they said, evidently, his God is angry. Evidently, this person has done something very displeasurable, uh, and, 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 and he's being punished, and he's being judged because he, he's escaped the sea, and he made it out of that. But look, he got bit by this snake, and no doubt, He's, 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 he's getting the judgment that he deserves as a prisoner. And the Bible says that the Apostle Paul shook off that venomous beast into the fire and felt no harm. And when they looked at him for a great while and expected him to fall down dead, the Scripture says after a little while they said, he must be a God himself. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that just how fickle the world can be sometimes? I'm going to tell you, if you want to be justified in your faith, you've got to be consistent in your faith. If you want to, if you want to have a testimony, you've got to endure the test. You've got to stand strong. You, you, you can't be respectable and be a flim-flam. Amen. And you cannot be a fickle, flaky person and expect uh, you, to be effective. In, in, you know, it's, it's ironic to me how that people can give so much life advice and they don't have their lives together themselves sometimes. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And uh, really, you know, all of us would do better if we just work on ourselves. Amen. Look in that book and say, how am I measuring up? Look in the mirror. That's what the Word of God is. And say, you know, there's some adjustments I need to make on myself instead of always deflecting to somebody else and always pointing out somebody else's trouble. But I'm going to tell you, just as Paul was bitten by a viper, the Scripture says that this, of course, was a physical snake. There's going to be times in life that circumstances, even people, life is going to bite you in such a way, and it's going to try to put its venom of bitterness, maybe its venom of Offense. Maybe it's venom of envy. Maybe it's venom of of pride. Maybe it's venom of of jealousy. But I promise you, there's going to be something that's going to come along that if you don't find the strength through the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, I want to reiterate that to shake that off. And say, it's not going to attach itself to me and stay with me. And I'm not going to allow it to pump its venom in me. And I'm not going to allow it to kill me. I'm not going to allow it to destroy me. I'm going to tell you, everybody, everybody has experienced hurts. Everybody's experienced pain. Everybody. The Bible says there's no temptation but what is common to man. Anytime you get to thinking, well, I'm the anomaly here. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the only one. I'm the poor little me. I'm the only one that's ever been attacked and nobody's ever faced or went through. Don't ever fool yourself. Don't ever let yourself think that because that's simply not true according to the Word of God. That's not the way it is according to the Bible. Shake that off. and Say, you know what? This is part of it, but I'm in the will of God. And you know what? As long as I got Him, I got everything I need. I'm going to go on living for God. Reminds me, reminds me of a story I read. I think it was uh, Peggy Noonan, who was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan, that wrote the story about some of the 
infantrymen that were over there in Mogadishu, Somalia, when there was that attack. And, and you know that it, it went bad, and, and uh, there's been a lot of stories written about it. One of the Black Hawk helicopters was shot down, and there was a big firefight that ensued. They were not expecting this kind of attack. They actually went in there to do some humanitarian work, and then it turned bad. And so uh, there was these guys that were in the middle of this firefight, and they were all shot up, and they made their way to a Humvee and got in it and was trying to exit the area. And one of the, and I think I've told this story here before, but one of those men, superiors, looked at a, a soldier, an infantryman, a private. He said, drive, private. Get in and drive. And uh, all of them, some of them were already uh, languishing between life and death and just uh, some of them perished right there as they was trying to get out. And so all of them was wounded. And that private looked at his superior and he said, I, I can't, I can't drive. I've been shot. I've been shot. Don't you realize I've been shot in this firefight? And he simply looked at him and he said, everybody's been shot. He said, just get in and drive. And when I read that, it, 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 it startled something in me. Everybody's been shot. Everybody's been shot at. Amen. You still got to get out. You still got to make it. You still got to be saved. You can't use that as an excuse. You got to get in and drive. You got to come to church. You got to be faithful to God. It isn't God's fault. Amen. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. In Him is my joy. In Him is my peace. In Him is my happiness. Hey, I've had some bad things happen along the way. All of us have, my brother and sister. Amen. But get in and drive. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to see Jesus. We're going we're gonna to worship on another shore. We're going to escape all of this someday. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures aren't laid up. Come on, is anybody laying up treasures in another world? Why don't you stand to your feet right now and let's lift up our hands to the Lord and let's give him praise together come on all across this place let's give him praise together hallelujah hallelujah oh I love you Jesus I praise you precious God I honor you and I worship you praise God amen 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 praise the name of the Lord I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little secret that I feel like the Lord has pounded me with, even of late, or reminded me. It's something unknown, but I just need to be reminded of. Because this world is so contrary to this world. It's just like it's not valued in this world. But I'm going to tell you, humility in life will get a person along. It's attractive to God, first of all. He said, I give grace to the humble. And grace is an enabler. If you have an understanding of grace, you know that grace, God gives you grace. That gives you the ability to make it through some things that you need to make it through that you couldn't otherwise. So remember humility. That's, that's a virtue. It's a virtue that's not appreciated much in this world anymore because this world is interested. They see that as being too passive. They see that as... Well, they'd see that as weakness if you're humble. But God doesn't see that way. He said the last shall be first. 
And he said, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. And uh, God has stirred my heart lately. Amen. There's times, you know, uh, get yourself in circumstances, situations, and and, uh, dealing with things. And, you know, your flesh, it wants to kind of stand up for its rights. And it wants to stand up for what it thinks. And it wants to kind of snap back when you've been snapped at. But you know, that's not, that's not God's way. I said, that's not always God's way. Now, you know, uh, I, I'm not saying that we, we don't stand up for the truth and stand for what's right or whatever. But I'm not, I don't think we ought to have a nasty spirit and a nasty attitude. Attitude is connected to your spirit. It is really whatever's in your spirit comes out through your attitude. And uh, I want to have a right spirit because the Bible says that my spirit will sustain me. Amen. And in a in a bitter person, the 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 you know a person that's got bitterness or offended type spirit, he said, "Who who could bear them?" The writer said. Nobody can help that type of person. But if a person can remain humble, they can, they can always get help. You can always get help. Praise the Lord. And, and our prayer ought to be every day, God, help me in that way. There's going to be things that I'm going to need your help to keep my flesh in check, my pride and my, my spirit and attitude in check. Help me to stay humble. One more time, would you lift your hands to him? And would you pray that prayer? God, help me. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be humble enough, to be receptive and, and pliable enough in your hand, to be, uh, God, that clay that is malleable in the potter's hand so that you can make a vessel of honor out of me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. And uh, you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.